there are two ways to go about it, right? One is you create a product first and then try to find an audience for it, or you build an audience first and then try to create products and services for that audience. Hello everyone, this is Tracy and I am your host on the Visible at Work podcast. Subscribe to hear a weekly dose of actionable insights from me with my decade experience working with multicultural teams across Europe, the Middle East, Africa and North America. You also hear down-to-earth interviews with culturally diverse people who have succeeded to remain visible at work, irrespective of adjusting to different countries, work cultures and people. You don't want to miss this. I have another special guest today, and his story is one of resilience. He moved from India to the US in the year 2000 with $500, and now, having worked in various high-tech jobs, building a business by the side, hustling nights and weekends, and he's now a full-time entrepreneur. He lives in San Diego with his beautiful wife and two precious kids, and also a male dog inexplainably called Vanilla. But, you know, beyond that, he's also a podcaster. He has two shows. He's been podcasting for about five years and he's a digital marketer. He has a lot of WordPress plugins and he's an amateur venturally Chris. And he, is, he calls himself the coolest geek on the planet. So welcome with me, Ravi Jayagopal today. And Ravi's going to share his story, what he's been doing, how he's been able to build a brand for himself online and how we also settled moving from India to the U.S. You're welcome, Ravi. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for that uh, warm welcome and uh, appreciate you having me on the show. That's awesome. You're a man of many parts, like you're doing so much, but I know you started from humble beginnings. So would you like to share with us your story, what it was like moving um, from India in the year 2000? It was the turn of the millennium when you moved. So what was the motivation to move? within that new year. Now we're ending the decade. So I guess it must be really nice trying to reminisce right now. How was it like? Oh, uh, it was awesome. So one of the things that, you know, when you put in a lot of hard work, uh, you kind of make your own luck. So sometimes uh, along with all the hard work, you need some luck to go your way. And uh, the year 2000 was one of those things where it helped me move. So before I get into that, the reason why I wanted to even move in the first place was I had had a website in India. I had a internet browsing center, as we used to call it back in the day, uh, because uh, India, uh, it was not that uh, computers and internet were not that common for the average person. So there used to be these cafes where you could go in like a, a Kinko's or where you go to Photoshop or print stuff. So yeah. I started, started this, uh, print shop, uh, desktop publishing center where people could go in and get color printouts and get book binding. And so I wanted to have this uh, kind of business where we could do editing or, and uh, they were, we, we were typing out uh, resumes and doing all of a lot of digital publishing. And I started an internet cafe where people can come in. There, there were like 10 computers. You could uh, go online uh, because internet uh, uh, connections were hard to come by back in the day and uh, not everybody had a computer or an internet connection at home. So uh, then I started getting uh, into creating websites and I created a website for myself at the time 
uh, my wife was pregnant with our first child and I wanted to, uh, I was looking for baby names online and I found that there were not many good websites. So I said, okay, I'll create a baby names website. I started doing the research and created a website. Then slowly, uh, next step is, you know, usual evolution. So you put on a website. Now you want to know how to promote it. Next, you want to know how to make money from it. So in that process, I started selling books from India, uh, baby names books uh, to an audience all around the world. I, I was getting a lot of traffic because I had done some things correctly, uh, like uh, picking the right domain name wow. and uh, because I was early. Uh, and uh, I was doing a lot of promotion and trying to figure out learning from all the gurus at the time and uh, participating in forums and communities and trying to find out how to make my website better and how to promote it. So then I started selling books and the books were so expensive to sell because the shipping cost was like four times the cost of the actual book. But I was getting uh, customers because uh, there's an Indian community pretty much all over the world. So uh, the cost of shipping the book was four times more expensive than the book itself when you're trying to ship to uh, Africa or uh, Europe or anywhere or the US. But I, I was still getting customers back then because Amazon did not carry those books at, at the time. So then I, I finding a payment processor who would process payments for an Indian merchant was very hard at the time. There was no PayPal. Um, there were most of the payment processors were not agreeing to take on uh, foreign merchants because they considered them very high risk. So eventually, I found one merchant who would do that, but they would they were charging me a ten dollar transaction fee. So wow. if I sold something for one dollar, I would have to pay them ten dollars. So oh basically, I would, I would I would have to charge eleven dollars at the minimum. Uh, wow. So it was very hard. E-commerce had not grown uh, much in India. So I was constrained by a lot of the tech, technological aspects. I could not get good hosts to fast, uh, host my website. Everything was a problem. Everything was more expensive when you convert the Indian, uh, you know, US dollar to Indian rupees. So I was on the lookout. So how can I go to where the heart of e-commerce is, which is the, the US? And luckily, you know, I, I'm a computer engineer. And uh, I, I was good at programming and everything. So I started looking for programming jobs in the U.S. And that's where luck comes in because in the year 2000, uh, due to the Y2K problem, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yes, definitely. The, the yeah, I the Y2K so, boom. Yeah, and the internet boom was happening right at the same time, the mm -hmm. e-commerce uh, boom. And a lot of companies were hiring people. They could not get enough people um, technical people for programming and creating websites and dot-com uh, websites. So I was able to get a uh, H-1B visa through a company who wanted to hire Java programmers. And that's how I, I came in. And at the time, um, my business, uh, internet cafe business was slowly dying. And I was really looking to get to the next level. What else can I do? So it was perfect timing. And I was able to get a job and uh, my wife and I, we uh, sold off everything in India. Uh, my parents were still living there, but uh, I wanted to uh, really go where the action was and, and do something big. So uh, I came to the US. Uh, at the time, we had very little money, so we pretty much exchanged all the money we had. 
we split it uh, between my wife and I because she came like a month later. I, I was I came first so that we, I could find an apartment, mm. and a car, and stuff like that. So then my wife, uh, my father-in-law, and my my one-year-old at the time, they came a month later, uh, and we started settling into our jobs. And from there, it was I quickly found out that if you are working for an employer, you cannot start your own business. Yeah. And, and if you want to start your business, you have to have some sort of permanent permanent residency. True. So that, from that point onwards, it was a slog to find uh, to find an employer who I could stay with for five six years because that's how long it took to process your green card and 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 so on. Mm-hmm. So uh, and um, unfortunately, nine eleven happened at the time, which was a huge tragedy, and a lot of people lost their jobs. So. I had to move to make sure, you know, my wife and I ended up working at the same company and we didn't want to get laid off at the same time. So I ended up moving out to uh, to a different company and then I stayed there for a couple of years, started my green card. And then I lost the green card because I had to move away from that company uh, because it was a very abusive situation. So it was a long slog for many years. Uh, and I realized that I can't just you know, uh, one fine day, wake up and say, I'm going to quit my job and do my business. I had to build something along the way. So uh, the first uh, seven, eight years was about. Wow, I can imagine Uh, your story is very interesting. You know, it it just reminds me of like the old times, like uh, when you had to go to the cafe, you had to make out time to go online and things like that. I still remember and you, yeah. you know you now you really get to appreciate the internet and how things were how things are fast now because Absolutely. then <laughs> you know you really had to plan your time if you're going to the cafe and you know you had one hour you had to know right. that this is what i was going to do for the next one hour and um it's interesting how you were able to pivot and you moved at the right time because you knew that you know, you're trying to get into this market, e-commerce and, uh, and everything, and which is unfolding in the U.S. at that time. So it was a great thing that you moved in. And now explaining your story of how when you moved, you couldn't, because uh, I know like the visa situation and all, you can't just start a business from scratch. And then you have to also remain with that employer for your visa to be relevant. You know, you can't just change right. jobs like the way people just get up and leave. Like you said, you can't just say, oh, I'm done with this employer. I want to change jobs. You have to ensure that the next uh, employer files for you so that when you switch, you're not out right. of status. It's a lot of... <laughs> Absolutely. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. So I know the struggle and I know what that feels like. And then with a young family and a little kid, I know what that feels like. So at what point did you now eventually start doing your business by the side? Oh, it was right on from day one. So when I came into came to the US, I already had my baby names website. And so first uh, year or so was trying to figure out how to grow it. And that around that time, uh, there were a few uh, online ad services. We have Google AdSense now, but it was not there yet. So there were some online ad services where you can copy and paste uh, some code onto your website and some ads would show up. And if somebody clicked on their ad, uh, on those ads, you would get a couple of pennies. So I was yeah. trying, to, uh, trying to monetize using uh, those services. And then Google AdSense came around. 
I played with that. I had a lot of success with that. You know, at one point I was making like $1,500 a month just off of Google AdSense, mm. um, just from my baby names website. And around the same time, somebody, one of the U.S. popular U.S. marketers, uh, he's, he was not yet a, a big, market, big name back then. He ran into my website. And because back then there was no WordPress, and even for simple things like creating a contact us form, uh, you had to uh, contact a developer or know how to create code stuff in PHP and HTML, the form, you know, how, what happens when somebody hits hit submit, where does it, the data get sent to, how do you yeah. store the data or how do you add it to email list and stuff like that. Even that was a huge technological hurdle back then. Sure. So somebody saw it on my website and said, can you code it for me? Can you give me that same contact us form script in PHP? And I, I said, okay. So he said, how much would you charge? So randomly, I just pulled out a number, $30. He said, awesome, done. And then he paid me like another $15 for installing it on his website. And then he paid me like a $10 tip. And I was so excited uh, to make, you know, like 40, 50, $60 in for little, literally 10 minutes of my work. That's when I said, you know what? I could probably package this. Maybe there are more people out there who need this. So I started uh, researching that and then I said, okay, there's a good audience for this. So I'm going to create a, a scripts website where you, I could create, just like now you have plugins. So I, I said, I'm gonna create a bunch of scripts, PHP scripts that people can buy and install on their website. So I yeah. called it web, Webmaster in a Box. And that really started taking off and uh, it, was, it was fantastic. And I wish, you know, that's how sometimes you know you uh, you, you get uh, things rolling your way, and even then you, you have there'll be some uh, hurdles in that because one of the hurdles was I could not scale my business because I had a full time job, <laughs> so I could only work on it nights and weekends. So mm -hmm. I could not scale it, even though at one point I was making like uh, five thousand dollars per month from this webmaster in a box scripts, but I could and I was making way more than my day job, but I could not quit and I could not scale it because I could not uh, contact customers during the day. I could not yeah. do support. And I had to wait till I got home in the night. And sometimes people didn't get their emails and they would cancel or get a refund. So, uh, but you know, everything worked out. Uh, all this works out for the best. So I, I, I knew that I had something there. So I started creating more scripts and working nights and weekends. I wrote my first book back in the day and uh, wrote and rewrote it on the train on my way to my day job in New York on the subway on on the, on the metro and I, I published my book in 2007 uh, called no business like e-business because mm, I, I, I so I passionately believed in that yeah so I see like there's a learning curve in um, just trying to make that balance and sacrifice that comes with um, adjusting the new location hitting the ground running and um, managing like the side business that you had doing scripts for people because at, at, at that point even people businesses were paying as much as ten thousand twenty thousand dollars for a website so now being able right. to just tweak and do things and see work uh you know by buying your scripts was a very noble idea today's episode was brought to you by career visibility accelerator program have you ever felt that sinking feeling of being left out? Then listen. There's a problem you face being a highly skilled foreign professional. If you're an immigrant, 
a self-funded expat, a newcomer, or have English as your second language. You've prepared for everything else, location, food, weather, a great house, schools for your kids if you have one, but you haven't prepared for the business side of selling your skills in a new environment. You might get a job just to pay the bills. Of course, we all have bills to pay, so that's understandable. But then you get sucked into just surviving. How do you get unstuck from that? And even if you got a job, how do you influence decision makers at work, confidently speak up at meetings, deal with the cultural differences that could affect your productivity and performance? You plan for every other thing else. And all of that is hinged on the work that you do. So, you need to plan for how you manage your talent, sell your skills, build your connections, and recertify to learn a new skill set. There comes Career Visibility Accelerator Program. It is here to help cut short that long, lonely, difficult process as a leading six-week virtual training program to help you stand out at work. If you're ready to take action, then join us and let's go all in. Visit www.visibleatwork.com. Sign up for the waitlist to learn about a proven framework to confidently share your transferable skills, articulate your value, and be the superstar you've always been. It's been tested, proven, and has helped skill the careers of many foreign professionals like you. Join the Career Visibility Accelerator program so you can make that shift from surviving to thriving. Visit www.visibleatwork.com and sign up for the waitlist today. And what kept you going in between managing your full-time job and still wanting to put in that time and energy to build this side business? Yeah, it always comes down to the why, right? You have to figure out why you're doing something. So when I wanted to move, to the US, one of the big, my biggest why was giving my kids a better life because uh, things were not so great back where I lived because of the education system and corruption and politics and everything else, not enough opportunities, no, no playgrounds. So all those kind of things. And then uh, wanting to be do something great, my vision was another thing. But after I got here, and everything was about, okay, how can I be my best? I can, I can be my best only when I'm working for myself because I had so many ideas. I wanted to do this and that and everything else. And there's no way to just constantly when you have to work. That is, uh, you know, you're, it's like living in somebody else's body, right? You have a, you feel like you're living in somebody else's skin and you're always trying to break out and you want to be yourself. And that only way to do that was to be on my own, be, be an entrepreneur, because that was a dream for me growing up. Because my, my father, he was a film, Indian film legend, and he's a lyricist and writer. And he used to work from home. He could do whatever he want, whenever he wanted. You go for the movies during the day or whatever. And I saw all my friends uh, dads and moms coming home late from work, but my dad was always there. My mom was, uh, she had our own school. So she came back home, uh, you know, like four o'clock and we could do whatever we want as a family. So that kind of freedom, financial freedom and time freedom 
was always something that was burned into the back of my head because of my upbringing. I wanted the same thing for myself. I wanted to be there when my kids got home from school. I wanted them to, you know, go out for lunch or dinner early, whatever, not have to them to say, oh, my dad, he's going to come back home at nine o'clock in the night and then he's too tired to talk to us, whatever. I didn't want that. I wanted to be there uh, and enjoy my family, enjoy uh, and watch basketball. And uh, so I was a huge NBA fan. So when the games were going on at five o'clock in the afternoon, uh, evening, I wanted to be able to watch that. Yeah. And so I wanted all that freedom and everything that comes with that. Uh, so that's, and, and wanting to keep, give my family uh, my kids a better life and uh, give them the best I can give them because my parents gave me the best that they could uh, in spite of their struggles and uh, their upbringing and all those things that they had to overcome. I want to do the same thing. So all the, that's, that, that was my biggest why, my family. That's a, that's a really strong why, actually. Did you ever have that foresight to see that it was going to be this big now the way it is? Uh, you mean in terms of technology? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I knew it was going to be because I was, you know, the, one of the advantages of being in the weeds, so to speak, being in the trenches and doing it every day, all day, listening to people, uh, engaging with different communities, see, uh, seeing their problems and what issues they're having is that, you know, uh, and uh, cre all credit to some of the leading marketers back at the time. Uh, when I was uh, a newbie and trying to learn was there were, everybody was like, you know, e-commerce is going to be the big thing. Internet is going to be the big thing. Digital products and videos were the big thing. And, and so back then technology was really, really hard, but everybody knew it was going to get easy. I mean, nobody expected something like the iPhone, right? But nobody had an idea that uh, it would be that simple to have a super powerful camera in your pocket and being able to take it out and, and uh, uh, create great content anytime and social media was not yet there. So I don't think anybody uh, expected that level of uh, a reach, but everybody knew, we all knew that uh, it, it was going to get internet, it was going to be the next big thing and creating digital products was always uh, one of the things that was always highly talked about and how everybody should get into digital products. Uh, so I, I created my first ebook. I probably in 2000, I think, uh, with a it was an executable file that would not run on Mac computers. <laughs> I got a lot of refunds because of that, and because I tried creating in PDF, and then it would get passed around too much. So, <laughs> I, so I went through the whole process of figuring out what is the best way to do it, and how to do it, how to protect your content, how to make yeah. sure only people paid for it receive it so yeah i mean social media has taken it to a whole nother level since you know facebook came out and myspace and facebook and friendster and whatever else was there along the way then youtube tech took it a whole new level because back in the day creating a video and putting it online was so expensive and so hard you yeah. had to know you had i had this huge camcorder with the tape in it and you would record it and getting the video off of it into your computer was a whole nother journey and a whole other experiment you had to all have the right cables your computer was slow it would crash half the way through getting a big video and then mm -hmm. editing it you had to buy another expensive software so oh, yeah. all that... better not even make a mistake <laughs> like when you're yeah. recording even though that's like 
Start up yeah. fresh. <laughs> yeah. Start fresh. So, so technology was a huge hurdle back then, but you had more attention because so few people were doing it. But now it's the opposite. Technology is nothing, right? You have you give a phone phone to a three, two year old. They know exactly how to open the phone, go to the mm-hmm. apps, play the video game. So technology is like zero, zero hurdle. There's so many different free services and for uh, for creating audio, video, PDF, Kindle everything else but now attention is the harder thing to get because yeah. everybody is doing it everybody ha- is an expert everybody has their own uh, content and ebooks and courses and everything else so now standing out is the harder part in ah. building an audience so speaking of attention uh, what would you say would be you've seen it in the past uh, in terms of building that um, digital product or whatever influence that you have or building an online business. And now the attention currency is what we all see. What would you say would be a strong factor for any foreign professional or anybody that moves to a new location to build that attention and build their reputation in a new city or a new country? There are two ways to go about it, right? One is you create a product first and then try to find an audience for it. Or you build an audience first and then try to create products and services for that audience. There's no, uh, you know, both, both work, but when you're starting out, it is always easier to start with the product because most people are an expert in what they're doing um, on a day-to-day basis, right? So if you're, a, if you're doing video editing for, at your job, you're good at video editing. If you're a programmer, then you're good at programming. And if you're doing audio stuff, then you're... So whatever you're doing at your day job, that's probably your best strength. In, in rare cases, it, it might not be, you might have something going on on the side that you're better at and more passionate at, but I would say start there. Start with uh, figuring out, uh, uh, go into audio, uh, don't just create a product uh, from day one. Just, just don't dive right into a product. Once you have an idea for a product, once you know what your strengths and weaknesses are, try to see if there's a market for it because you may be passionate about something for which there's probably not a big audience or maybe there is a big audience. So you have to figure that out. Uh, one of the th- mistakes I made was I focused too long on the baby name site because even though I was getting tons and tons of traffic, I was getting 100,000 unique visitors a month uh, right. for, the, for that website. But monetization was really, really hard because uh, most of the traffic was from India where people don't have credit cards, they don't use credit cards, they use local banking systems. Even today, credit cards are not the biggest. Uh, they have uh, you know, local payment systems and phone systems that connect to the bank and direct cash transfers and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, monetizing it was hard because people were not uh, comfortable buying digital products. Uh, they were not comfortable buying eBooks or paying $3 or $5 or whatever, even dollar. Yeah, some people like to touch the, feel the crinkle of the paper and touch the And they'll, they'll, they'll just go to the local bookstore or they'll go to a friend's house and borrow it. Because, so uh, not all markets, you know, uh, are suitable for monetization. So you have to figure out, is there a big enough audience for what I'm trying to sell? And will this audience, can I reach this audience on a consistent basis if you can only reach them in, by going physically to meetings and only uh, with uh, direct mail, then you, it's going to be a lot harder. But if you can reach them easier, so you have to think about, you know, is there a big enough audience? Can I reach them consistently? 
does this audience pay? So if you are creating products and services for people who are broke or people who are in countries where they cannot pay you online, uh, so now you're having, you're setting up more hurdles for your business. So you have to do some market research, niche research and see how viable is your niche. Uh, can you, uh, you don't need millions of uh, buyers or anything. You just need your 1000 true fans. I'm a huge believer in that. Uh, Kevin Kelly wrote this article called 1000 true fans. Yeah. And based on that, I created a course called 1001 true fans, where I actually show you how to get to the fans and how to build that, those, that fan base and how to monetize that. So uh, even if you don't get millions, you still need 1,000 true fans. And you can't just say, okay, you 1,000 people come over here. You can't do that. You still have to go through 100,000 people before you get to 1,000 true fans, which means is there a big enough audience for that? Are, are they able to find you? Are you able to find them? Will they pay? Uh, are they, is the, if you just have to monetize attention, with ads, then you have a harder business model because now the customer becomes the product. You don't have a product of your own. So what I would say yeah. is uh, think about your product and go into communities, uh, lots of communities, Facebook groups, online forums, uh, talk to people, answer questions, go on answers websites like Quora, Q-U-O-R-A.com, yeah. answers.com and see what kind of questions uh, people are asking. Uh, network with them, establish yourself as an expert in the community, start building relationships. Everything is relationship marketing today. You yeah. have to have a relationship with your audience before they will buy anything from you. So you have to put out great content. You have to put out content for your podcast, for your YouTube videos, for your membership site, your online courses, for your Instagram and this and that. So you have to be a subject matter expert. So I would say start there. Mm, to be a subject matter expert, and everything is all about relationship marketing. And don't forget to do the research. So research is very important. Um, and it goes a long way, even for personally and even for your work life and business. So you, there's no end to research, especially if you're in a new location. That's like the number one thing you can do. Being able to research ahead of time before you arrive in that location. And also knowing if the people in that new location will buy from you. So it's one thing to move and then just focus instead of focusing on like the people who were purchasing from you in the past, the previous location, maybe there is a market for you in your new location. Um, so I think it's something to think right. about. So, yeah, so for location-wise, if you're looking for customers, that means you have some kind of a local business um, or you're looking for coaching and consulting in, in the local area. And in that case, I would recommend going to like a meetup, meetup.com, There's a, find all, all the meetups going on locally, all the different seminars and uh, local gatherings and um, in network with go to, go to all of them and just uh, establish yourself as an expert, talk to people, offer your expertise. Um, the more you help the community, the more you'll develop a relationship with the owner of that community, give mm -hmm. them value. Don't ask, you know, don't start promoting your products and services. If you get the mm -hmm. opportunity to talk to those people, say, hey, I'll come and present on this topic for you for free, no charge. I would love to help your community. I would love to help them. Uh, and I can teach about these things and it, give, 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 and then you will get it back. Definitely, definitely. Uh, it pays to give. And once you, you open up yourself to give, then opportunities even start coming naturally to you because Absolutely. they know, okay, this is the person I can go to. And people will feel more comfortable to talk to you. 
So thank you, Ravi. So um, what would you say would be the coolest thing that you do, how you spend it? Because you have a lot of products that you manage and I know your wife is also part of the business. So how, what's your typical day like? How do you manage your day? Uh, by the way, shout out to my wife, Veena Prashant, who is uh, uh, the, the smartest and the most beautiful person I know. And she's our co-founder and co-developer of the Digital Access Pass, our membership plugin, and a whole, a whole bunch of other uh, WordPress plugins. So she has her own uh, courses and plugins and everything else. And our day, pretty. Uh, I usually tend to work late in the nights. Um, and uh, so that, you know, sometimes we're both home. So we're constantly stepping on each other's toes, so to speak, in the business. So we try to separate out our lives just a little bit so that, uh, you know, uh, we are not constantly uh, running into each other in the sense that, uh, you know, we are not uh, uh, arguing about the same things. Because when you have two really smart people, even though she's way smarter than me and way better looking too, <laughs> which is a very low bar for her, I guess. So, uh, so I, I love from from back in college. I always uh, used to love working at night. So I worked till like five o'clock in the morning. Uh, it's quiet, like everybody's gone to bed, and I do my podcast or video creation or editing or programming or plugin stuff. And um, so she is up uh, earlier, and uh, then we have breakfast time. I come down, I have breakfast. She 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 makes or brings breakfast for me, and then. Uh, we're pretty much on calls uh, all the time and I usually spend a lot of time uh, working on my coaching calls with clients and doing podcast interviews uh, and taking the credit for all her work <laughs> so uh, and uh, and in the evenings usually there'll be like a basketball game we'll have lunch we have late lunch and we'll watch a game and then we go back to doing work for some time go for a walk run I have a beautiful dog, Vanilla, and go for a walk and, uh, and then, you know, come back, more, maybe more calls or we'll, if our kids are home, we can go somewhere, go for a movie, whatever. So our day is pretty flexible, but for the most part, it is spent on um, family and uh, some entertainment and uh, calls. And so there's no rigid schedule. We can work whenever we want. So if we end up uh, watching a game for two, two, two and a half hours during the day, then we'll end up uh, working on uh, after that. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, the whole, really the nice. whole day, the whole <laughs> day is, is at your disposal. So sounds like a fun day. So it's not just all work. So there's time for play as well as work, which is nice. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So Ravi, any last words for listeners? Yeah, just. Uh, you know, you, one of the things when you're trying to achieve something is you have to be very focused on your priorities. So, uh, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, should I sign up for Disney Plus? And they'll have Disney Plus, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, blah, blah, HBO, Showtime. And they're trying to watch every single show all the time. They, they have to watch sports. They have to, you have to pick and choose, right? There's only so much time in the day. So when you think of uh, 24 hours every day, every minute is, that's gone, you never get it back. And then you say, okay, what are my priorities? I want to do this. I, I, I'm not a very big fan of working you know, 20 hours a day and sleeping four hours, though I did it at one point because I had to. Um, but uh, if you can prioritize your tasks, you have to give up some things. You have to give up on some hobbies. Uh, you can't have it all. 
uh, you can't, you know, uh, want to uh, spend two hours watching a basketball game and then watch uh, three hours of a Netflix show and go and uh, play basketball or pick up in the park or, you know, you cannot, you cannot do everything. So you have to pick and choose on different times and plan your calendar accordingly. Be very uh, aware of, you know, the limited time we have on the cert. So what are your priorities and just crush it at those priorities. Once you get your priorities correct and once you know your why, while you're doing this, then everything else falls into place. And then it won't involve sacrifice. Some people may have to sacrifice watching too much TV or some people have, may have to give up on some other hobby because now your work becomes your hobby. You're trying to create videos. And then instead of uh, you have to be very uh, focused on what kind of goals you set for yourself. Like recently, I've been seeing people setting goals like, I'm going to read 100 books this year, right? That's a, that's a nice goal to have. Or yeah. listen to 50, 50 new podcasts. That's that's a nice goal to have. But if you're a creator, you don't have time to read hundred books. Not that books is bad. Books are bad. It's that you don't have the time to read hundred books from other people. So instead of consuming more, maybe you should think about creating more. Maybe you should think about how can I write one book every month this this year or the next twelve months. How can I write 12 books instead of reading 100 books written by somebody else? Or instead of watching 100 videos or watching, uh, binge watching a series on Netflix, how about you think about how am I going to create 50 new videos this year? I'm going to crush it on my YouTube channel or for my membership site. I'm going to create something, create an offer, put it together. I'm going to sell stuff. Even if it's not created, I'm going to find out who's, who's willing to pay for this stuff, put, create more offers because without selling anything, you cannot make money. So if you just focus on consuming other people's stuff you're not going to make any money so it all comes down to what your priorities and goals are so it comes down to priorities this is a very good 2020 game plan what's your why have your priorities right you need to sacrifice discipline and have a, a plan and um it would all you know just come through and if you're a creative listening just remember you have to create so instead of just consuming you have to create Thank you, Ravi. Where can we find you? We want to know what's going on with you, what you're working on, how they can reach you. How can we find you? My website is subscribeme.fm. So uh, there you can, my podcast is also called subscribeme.fm. So you, if you search for the word subscribeme.fm in your favorite podcast app or on Spotify, wherever else you can find podcasts, you can listen to my show. And when you go to the website, there's a playlist right at the top. And on the same website, you will find all my products and services, my coaching program, all my courses, my Digital Creators Academy, my plugins. And you can contact me through there or just send me an email to Ravi, that's R-A-V as in Victor I, at subscribeme.fm. And I'm happy to send you one of my free Kindle books, my that's paid amazing. Kindle books for free. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Ravi, for your time. Really appreciate you just getting giving us an insight into how you work and how you've been able to come up with all this product and also being able to focus and giving us that insight to plan in 2020. So remember, guys, communication is your superpower to remain visible at work. I'll see you next week.